This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's scripture passage is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Amen. All right. Well, hey, good afternoon, Gospel City. Uh, good to see you. I was thinking, sitting over there, uh, when, when Ben was talking in particular, that I'm ready to serve. So if you guys need help with the media next week, <laughs> I'll be here. If you need it, um, I'm, I'm charged up and ready to go. But no, it's, uh, it's so great to be with you and to have the opportunity to teach God's Word. Um, just a quick thanks to Pastor Sean and Pastor Shin uh, for allowing me the opportunity to be here. Uh, I'm so grateful for you guys. Uh, please know uh, myself and FBC just on the road uh, is always rooting for you uh, and praying alongside of you uh, for our city. Um, Gospel City was uh, planted in a season with uh, when I was here in Korea, actually. Uh, church planting myself. Pastor Joel is a dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends, uh, one of my best friends, actually. And um, he's a uh, uh, Gospel City was uh, pivotal in, in Freedom Village uh, being launched as well. Today we actually celebrated our three-year anniversary um, as a church, so we were really excited about that. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, but, um, yeah, we've always been in the Yongsan area together, and um, and just seen this as kingdom work, um, not building up individual kingdoms, um, not trying to build a brand, um, not trying to make our name known above another church's name. Um, it's just been uh, uh, co-working together behind the scenes. Even if you don't know that that's happening, that's what's happening. And so it really is an honor and a privilege uh, to be here and to, to serve you today through the teaching of the word. Well, today we are uh, continuing in our, our series, working through uh, the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, 15 songs between chapters 120 and 134 uh, that we know were traditionally sung by God's people, the Israelites, as they were making their way up to Jerusalem to celebrate all that the Lord was and is and all that he had done for them. And today we find ourselves in Psalm chapter 125. Uh, And I want to begin this psalm by asking all of us here this afternoon, the simple question, do you believe that you are secure? Uh, do you believe that you are secure? Uh, like if you, weren't, if you were to go and, and describe yourself uh, to others, you know, sometimes they, you do a resume and they're like, describe yourself in three words, right? If you were to describe yourself uh, to others, would you say that you are stable? Would you say that you're safe? And what does that even really mean to you? 
I think sometimes uh, the more we understand the opposite of the thing we're trying to describe, the more we actually understand what we're trying to describe. And I think that's certainly the case here. And so let me just attempt to try to paint this picture for us. Um, how many of you were able to see the movie uh, Dunkirk? It came out in 2017. A few of you, a few of you here. Um, if you haven't seen that movie, you should. It's pretty good, worth your time. Uh, it came out a couple years ago, like I said, and it's based on a, a true story of this battle and evacuation that took place in Dunkirk, France during World War II. It was May 1940, right during the heart of that war, uh, and at the time, we know that Nazi Germany was making its way across France, heading into Britain. And in the months before that, they were advancing, we know, very strongly, and they had already defeated a lot of the Allied army. And as they were moving forward, they had eventually pushed back thousands upon thousands of soldiers uh, to the northeast coast of France, again, in this town of Dunkirk. And you can maybe see this slide, this picture. Um, well, we know because of this, uh, Winston Churchill, the prime minister of Britain, seeing this, uh, ordered an evacuation of all of the soldiers, but there was a major problem. They couldn't evacuate. They were literally trapped along this coast. And so, long story short, all of these boats uh, from the towns, other towns, uh, other ships from Britain came, fishermen and Merchants, everyone came, and over the course of nine days, they were able to rescue 400,000 soldiers. Uh, we know that sadly, uh, tens of thousands died, uh, but many, many more were saved. But I just share that with you to attempt in one way to get you to try to imagine what it would have been like to be a soldier sitting on that beach waiting hoping day after day you're longing for rescue, knowing there's no way out. The city is being filled with more and more enemy soldiers. Maybe, you don't know, maybe they will show you mercy, put you in prison, or maybe they'll just kill you. Uh, above you, there are enemy planes, day and night, firing down at you, bombs are going off, Right? Certainly, I think we could all agree this would be the definition of an unsafe place, a scenario that was not secure. They were threatened on all sides. You see, life can be very hard. We know this. It can be challenging, uncertain, insecure, not stable. There are times when you will feel pressed in on all sides. You feel like things around you will just crumble. And in those times, where do you go to? What do you go to? Whom do you turn to? What do you rely on? Well, thankfully, our gracious God gives us Psalm 125, which is all about the true state of the disciple. And that is, that we are safe and secure in the Lord. That's the bottom line of Psalm 125. We are safe and secure 
in the Lord. In Psalm 125, God's people are, again, we know this, they are making their way up to Jerusalem. They are singing, praising the Lord, and they are singing about the security that they have found in Yahweh. And through these words, I hope to show you today three reasons why as a disciple of Christ, you can say you are safe and secure. Three reasons why God's people are secure. And so let me once again read the first two verses of this psalm for us, and then we're just going to simply walk through the text together. Look at what God's word says. This is verses one and two of this psalm. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Well, uh, from these first couple of verses, I believe we see our first reason that we are secure in the Lord, and that is this, point number one, because of God's promises. Uh, We can say, as followers of Jesus, that we are safe, secure, as disciples, because of God's promises. Right from the beginning of this psalm, we see this in verse 1, that God's people are described as immovable. It's assuring. They cannot be moved. And why is that? Well, it's certainly not because of our own strength and stability, right? We all know this. We stumble all the time. But the psalmist is saying here, the reason that we are anchored, rooted, is because the Lord is unchanging. He is the one that is stable. He is the firm foundation. And there's a reason the psalmist here refers to Mount Zion. There's a reason that Zion is synonymous with security and stability here. And that's because we know that Zion was the place that King David conquered and ultimately where the Ark of the Covenant was brought to. Zion was the symbol of God's covenant and promise. God's presence in the Ark, we know, dwelled, literally dwelled in Zion. And so, as people were approaching Zion, as they thought of Zion as Israelites, they would very naturally think of the safety the security and inheritance that was promised to God's people from the Lord. Mount Zion was the place of covenant. It was a symbol of promise. And so the message here is really simple. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. They are immovable because the Lord's promises, his covenant promises are with them. God's people are like Mount Zion because they are people of promise. They are secure in what the Lord has said, in what the Lord has done, in what the Lord is doing, and ultimately what the Lord will do. And we are reminded of that promise in verse 2. The psalmist writes, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord surrounds and protects his people. That's part of this great promise, his promise to his people. He will not let us be overtaken. And let me be clear about this. 
this is not primarily a, a physical promise. We know this as followers of Jesus, that we are not necessarily protected from a tough life, from hardships, from loss, from things like pain. This is fundamentally then spiritual protection. And so this means protection from our flesh, protection from sin, protection from our enemy, protection from Satan, and even, even protection from God's wrath and his judgment. The Lord surrounds his people. He is on every side. Even when you feel insecure, even when you feel unstable, when trials and troubles come, when life is pressing in on you, even when you don't feel him or see him, the Lord is there. You might recall the story of the prophet Elisha and his servant. They woke up one morning and found that an enemy king, a nearby enemy king, and his entire army had surrounded the city they were in and was preparing to capture them. But even in that moment of crisis, that moment of instability, insecurity, Elisha told his servant something very interesting. He says this, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And of course, the irony of that statement was that we know it was only just the two of them there. They were the only ones there. It's the servant and Elijah alone. And then outside, there's an entire army surrounding them with horses and chariots. But then look at what Elisha does next. It's in 2 Kings 6, 17. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, his servant's eyes, so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, God's army was all around Elisha. And the reason I bring up this story is because it's so interesting. That phrase there, all around, is actually the exact same phrase, all around, that we have in verse 2 of our psalm, where the Lord surrounds his people. Meaning, the psalmists would know this, the Israelites would know this, they'd bank on this, that what the Lord did for Elisha, he is doing for you as well. Their security was coming from that place. W.H.J. Page writes this, some persons are like the sand, ever shifting and treacherous. Some are like the sea, restless and unsettled. Some are like the wind, uncertain and inconstant. But believers, believers are like a mountain, strong, stable, and secure. Gospel City, when the Lord is at your side, you are safe and you are secure, now and forevermore. You are like Zion, which cannot be shaken because the Lord's promises always remain true. Well, second, we know that God's people are secure according to Psalm 125 because of God's rule, his reign and his rule. Because of God's rule, 
Look at verse three with me now. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land, allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. We know that another part of God's covenant with his people was that he promised to give them an inheritance. And part of that inheritance we know was the promised land. That is, that the Lord actually, literally, allotted to the Israelite people a specific land, and that was the land of Canaan. And of course, we know now, as the church of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, we have been promised an inheritance as well, right? That one day, we will inherit the kingdom of God. And so we obtain, we know this, eternal life now, but not just now, also forever, that we reign and rule with Christ. That's part of our inheritance. But here in verse three, there initially seems to be, be a bit of a threat to that inheritance, a bit of a threat, because you can see there, it, it talks about the present rule, the current rule of the wicked, and the potential sin of those of us who are in Christ, those of us who are righteous. In other words, we have to understand, we live with the reality that Satan and sin currently have some power, some control, and some authority over this earth, this world that we live in. And the word choice of the psalmist is extremely important here. Because notice, the psalmist says, the scepter will not rest on the land. Meaning, there's the guarantee, there's a promise that it will not remain. It will not stay it will not last. So we know that wickedness at times will touch our land, that we are not immune from darkness. We are not immune from trials. We are not immune from troubles. But there is comfort here in knowing that evil is temporary, that our troubles will pass, that, that, that our troubles are just like a valley, right? The valley of the shadow of death. They're just but a shadow here today, but they will ultimately be gone tomorrow. But not only is our inheritance kept safe from the wicked, we also see here something very interesting. We see this truth that God's people are kept safe to receive this inheritance. We see that in the second half of verse three, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong, he says. In other words, not only is your inheritance kept safe from the present rule of the wicked, but also, but also, your inheritance is kept safe from your own personal sin. And that should be such a great comfort to all of us because all of us sin, right? And because we do, because we sin, sometimes frequently sin, sometimes stuck in sin. In those seasons, during those times, that could make us feel insecure, can it? Like, am I really saved? Um, am I gonna lose my salvation? If God were to return today, would I be okay? Will God not give me the inheritance that's promised? And of course, the truth of the gospel is an emphatic no. <laughs> Uh, we see this all through the New Testament. Our inheritance is sure. I love what 1 Peter 1 
says about this. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the same truth, the exact same truth, that we find here in Psalm 125. Through faith, we are shielded by God's power, God's reign, and God's rule. Our inheritance is being kept for us because of Christ. Our inheritance cannot perish. It cannot spoil. It cannot fade away. And because of that, when we are truly saved, even when we sin, we can find peace and we can find security. And so, yes, we need to hate our sin. Yes, we need to turn from our sin, flee from sin, but also know that we are secure by our faith in Christ and through the Lord's power. Because of God's rule, the power of the wicked will be broken on the outside, and the power of sin will be broken on the inside. Your inheritance is kept safe and secure because God's rule is sure. And then finally, we see that God's people are secure because of God's justice. We see that we are secure. We can have peace, be at rest because of God's justice. Look at the last two verses of this psalm with me. Verses four and five. He says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is an interesting thing that the psalmist does. We actually see a bit of a change here, a bit of a shift. Because these final words by the psalmist actually come now in the form of a prayer. He's changed a little bit, pivoted. And what we see here is corporately the people crying out to God, asking him to do good for those who are good, to do good to those who are upright in heart. And before I get into the, the meaning of that and the significance of that, I want to point out something else to us uh, as well, sort of a side note. Let's not miss what's happening here in this text that as the Jewish people were on their way to Jerusalem, as they were ascending to Zion, they were praying this corporately for one another. This is a corporate crying out here. It's a concern and a genuine care that was done together for one another. And I think we can all genuinely learn from this, that we need to be praying for one another with one another. We need to be fighting for one another, fighting for this local body. 
asking that the Lord would intervene for each of us, asking that the Lord would, would help us to know the gospel in a deeper way, asking that our, that our brother and our sister that's sitting next to us even now would, would know Jesus in a greater way, in a more majestic way that we would behold him. But now with that, going back into the text, what is the psalmist talking about? Because at least initially, I think this is a very challenging prayer. Because let's consider what's really being asked by the people. They want the Lord to do good to those who do good. But let's remember the gospel. Let's remember, for example, what the Apostle Paul said about people being good. In Romans chapter 3, all too famous verse, he says this starting in verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. And if you didn't get the point, there is no one who does good, not even one. And so there's a little bit of a dilemma here, isn't there? Because if no one is good, if no one is upright, then actually we are what the psalmist calls crooked. We're in that category, which means not only does the Lord not have to do good for us, but actually he has every right in his justice to banish us from himself. This is the Lord's justice. And so the question then becomes, why does God's justice provide us with any sense of safety or security? If no one is good, and therefore we all deserve to be removed from the Lord with the crooked, how can we have any sense of security here? And of course, we know today the answer is Jesus. Until Jesus came, and until he lived a sinless life, and until he went to the cross in our place, we could not be secure. Jesus was the only one who ever did good, the only one. He never rebelled against God. He lived upright, and he fully trusted his Father in all of his promises. And because of that, his life earned no punishment. He lived in such a way that he did not deserve God's judgment or his wrath. Yet he put himself in our place. He was cast out in our place. He was judged in our place. He took on the full punishment of sin in our place. On the cross, Jesus rescued us from the banishment we deserved, and he rose from the grave, which gives us the guarantee and the security that our sins have been paid, that we no longer have to face the wrath of God. We no longer have to be separated from him. Jesus did good. He lived good so that in turn, the Lord would do good to us. Amen? It's only in Christ that you can be fully forgiven and restored 
And it's only in Christ that we are made truly secure. Well then, the psalm ends with this final short prayer. It's more of a plea. The people cry out to God and say this, peace be upon Israel, exclamation point. Peace be upon Israel. And of course, here we have another prayer. We find another prayer that only comes to pass through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was and is the peace of Israel. He came to earth, glorifying God and bringing peace to men. And he is the only one who makes peace between sinful men and the holy God. The Apostle Paul, to reference him again, he actually wrote about this specifically to the church at Ephesus. In chapter 2, starting in verse 14, he says these incredibly profound and deep words. He says, For he himself, being Christ, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Bottom line, once again, Jesus himself is our peace. And he brought peace and security to all those who would trust in the Lord. The psalmist says, those who trust in the Lord those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. And it's only those who trust in the Lord who have this security, this foundation that lasts forever. And so as we close this afternoon, ask yourself, have I put my full trust in the Lord as my creator, as my Lord and as my savior? Have you given up your life and trusted his life? Have you put your faith and hope in Christ and in Christ alone? Are you rejoicing, glad in him today? And if not in Christ, where are you putting your trust today? Where are you finding your safety? Where are you finding your security? See, you and I, all of us, we are designed to place our trust and our hope in someone or something. But if you are putting that anywhere else but the Lord, you are destined for a life that is absent of security, absent of peace. If you trust your finances, but the market crashes, there will be no peace. If your hope is in a relationship, but that person disappoints you or leaves you, there will be no peace. Maybe you're like me and you tend to put your hope and your peace in pleasing people. I can tell you personally, there is never peace there as well. 
We go on and on and on about this, but the fact remains, and this serves as my bottom line for you today, what we put our trust in determines the security we experience. It's really that simple. Today, what you put your hope in, what you put your trust in, ultimately determines the security, the peace, and the safety that you'll experience in and through your life. And so today, let me just simply encourage you, put your anchor of security in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about our faithfulness, but entrusting God's faithfulness to us. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They are fixed, they are unmoved, they are assured, and they are secure. So why not trust him with all that you are and all that you have? Let's move into a time of praying together. In, in the quietness of this, of this moment that we have together, I just want us to reflect on the amazing security and safety that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, our rock, our salvation. Let me just ask you a really simple question this afternoon. Do you feel secure today? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure? Where is your anchor of security today? Where are you placing your trust other than God? Where do you tend to place your trust other than God? Let's all turn once again back to him, remembering his faithfulness and his promises. Let's turn to the Lord now in prayer. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.